Welcome to the Daily DDT Podcast, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. Here's your host, Jaden Becker. Adnan Verk and WWE split ways. New round of WWE firings underway today, and I take you through my perfect build for a WWE play-by-play announcer. I'm Jaden Becker, and welcome to the Daily DDT Podcast. Adnan Verk and WWE split ways. Verk has been working as the Raw play-by-play announcer for about two months, and with the announcement of touring resuming, Verk and WWE have mutually split. Verk on Twitter stated, Thanks to WWE for a wonderful opportunity. The weekly travel along with my other jobs was a grind for me and my family. I'm grateful to everyone with the company, especially Corey Graves and Byron Saxon, for being such fantastic teammates. And uh, sometimes things just don't work out. Adnan Verk, I'll be the first one to say that he wasn't the best play-by-play broadcaster, the play-by-play announcer that WWE has ever had. But also might be fair to argue that he wasn't the worst that WWE has ever had. Uh, he, He wasn't great on the microphone just because of the lack of knowledge of pro wrestling uh you know doing baseball doing other sports and stuff like that and then verk was the top of his class he's, he's very very good but just not pro wrestling because it's so uh there's so much minutiae involved so much storyline involved so much knowledge that you sort of need to know about pro wrestling in the past to be able to get in front of a microphone and speak about it so Adnan Verk, uh, he definitely did have a blast, though. Uh, I remember talking about that in the first uh, episode that he did for Monday Night Raw as I squeak around in my chair. Uh, the f- I-, I remember he had a fantastic time. He always had a smile on his face and always seemed excited to come. It wasn't like a- uh, something that he didn't want to do. It was something that he I think if he had more time in and they didn't throw him into the fire so fast, uh, he would have been a lot better. But uh, sometimes things just don't work out uh, when it comes to the WWE and uh, broadcasting. But hey, Adnan Verk, it's not like you're never going to see him again. He'll be back on MLB Network and uh, a couple other things as well. So I had never uh, best of luck going forward. New round of WWE firings underway today. According to PW Insider, the WWE digital department, which would include the WWE Network, has been extremely hard hit with Jilar Donlin among those that have been let go. Uh, There is said to be a, a lot of other employees let go today to the point that multiple people who survived the cuts have expressed shock and surprise at how important some of the names were that were let go. There's also feeling that some departments may even be folded altogether moving forward. Uh, A little bit of surprise, but also given that it is the WWE Network department being let go, uh, not really too shocking given the fact that uh, they're not needed as much anymore at the moment, given that NBC and Peacock own the WWE Network and the streaming rights. So for the next five years, uh, that digital department is really moot. So it is a move WWE made, and obviously sad to see a lot of people's jobs let go, but it does make sense in some way, shape, or form, given that NBC Universal and Peacock are the ones now in control of that WWE Network side of things. Uh, some daily DDT podcast news. Uh, I have the schedule set for going forward and how we're going to do things on the podcast. I made my return last week, and I'm still trying to figure out what, when... Uh, and where I'm going to do certain things. A lot of things are going to stay the same, but I have the full list set out for you. So Mondays will be top 10 lists. Uh, coming out of the weekend, uh, if there's no pay-per-view, nothing going on, I'll give you a top 10 list uh, of whatever is going on in pro wrestling today and uh, something close and relevant to pop culture and uh, the world of pro wrestling. Tuesdays is our, our Raw review, of course, like we're doing now. Wednesday is NXT. Thursday is AEW review. Friday is Impact review. And Saturday is the SmackDown review. 
review. Sunday will either be a pay-per-view preview and prediction. So obviously this coming up this weekend is AW Double or Nothing. So this Sunday you will hear my uh, preview and prediction for Double or Nothing. Or if there is no pay-per-view going on, there's nothing there, that will be my day off. And you won't hear from me on uh, Sundays. Uh, and uh, Mondays, once again, uh, will be either the top 10 list or like how it is with Double or Nothing and there's a pay-per-view on a Sunday, uh, the pay-per-view uh, will supersede that top 10 list and I'll give you my uh, review of the pay-per-view, of course. And I'm also going to try to get these ep- episodes out a little bit earlier to you in the day. I notice now that uh, I've been putting up these podcasts. I believe this one's supposed to be going up around like 4.30 this afternoon. That's a little too late for even my liking, uh, even though... G- you know, some, some things in, are sort of out of my control when I get to upload these things. Uh, I would love to get these up earlier to you, uh, probably around 9, 10 in the morning. That's sort of really where I wanted to, not really in the afternoon. So you could have it for your morning drive, you have it for your lunch break or whatever. Uh, whatever you need that wrestling fix, as I used to say in my intro, that I don't use as much anymore. Um, you, just uh, keep that in mind. I'm trying to get these up earlier for you and I uh, try to expect these episodes to be up earlier uh, as uh, I get more back into the rhythm of being back home here in, in Queens and uh, no longer in Ithaca, New York, uh, as uh, my semester is now up, but going into my junior year uh, next year. And uh, things actually should be a little bit easier then, even now I'm living in an apartment, not, not in a dorm room. And you won't hear those doors slamming. Hopefully it's not, not as much anymore as I used to hear all the time uh, throughout the months of February and March, which were uh, both frustrating but yet hilarious because they always came at the most inopportune time. So... That was some Daily DDT podcast news, but we're going to get into our show review for last night's Monday Night Raw. But first, let us thank our sponsor, Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Manscaped has created the best ball hair trimmer ever, the Lawnmower 4.0. Their fourth-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safety technology i now feel confident shaving my boys we have an exclusive offer for my listeners 20 percent off plus free shipping with the code fansided20 at manscaped.com that is fansided20 all caps at manscaped.com unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with manscaped all right let's get into last night's monday night raws i pull up my notes here that i i write in a special book i've been, I've been writing in a, a notebook that i buy specifically from target because i enjoy how big the notebook is without being too big it's also spiral bound and everything like that and i shouldn't be going too in depth in my notebook and i should be getting to my notes but uh, i i appreciate it I, I i don't know the brand and nor am i sponsored by them green room i think it is on the back quality paper goods since 2005 all right good job green room all right, getting into last night's Monday Night Raw. Bobby Lashley opens the show once again. More pretty ladies with him as well. MVP and Lashley talk about how great Bobby Lashley is as a champion. McIntyre enters, of course. Lashley says McIntyre had to scoop down to a new level to find a win, and uh, which is true in some way, shape, or form. Even though McIntyre didn't get the win, it was Kofi who got the win. McIntyre was the, the main force because of it. The New Day enter, and Kofi says he pinned Bobby Lashley. Uh, McIntyre says, you're welcome. Kofi says he didn't need his help. Uh, and a match is set for uh, later that night. Uh, for a number one contendership for the WWE Championship. A unique match that I'm excited to see that comes up right away. I thought they would put that in the main event, but no, they put it right away at the top of the show. Uh, Drew McIntyre versus Kofi Kingston. A VIP lounge at the top of the entrance ramp, which was uh, fun to see. 
athleticism of Kofi Kingston, of course, along with the power of Drew McIntyre. Meet Kofi Kingston hot early on, Alabama slam from McIntyre, however, on the outside, onto the apron, crushing Kofi Kingston's face. A huge spot there. And a huge Michinoku driver by McIntyre that he's been breaking out every once in a while that a lot of people are absolutely loving. McIntyre calls for Lashley as they join ringside. They, as in, excuse me, as in Bobby Lashley and MVP. Great back and forth. A huge dive to the outside uh, taking out McIntyre and Lashley by Kofi Kingston. Lashley and MVP attack McIntyre and Kingston after Lashley took that bump and uh, that ends the match and then next week uh, there will be a Drew McIntyre versus Kofi Kingston match once again for the number one contendership. However Bobby Lashley is barred from ringside. If he does get involved there will be a 90 day suspension with no pay and all stuff like that so assume that Lashley doesn't get involved. Uh, Adam Pearce did say specifically, however, that if either MVP or Bobby Lashley get involved, then they would be suspended. But they, he didn't say if anybody else gets involved. So let's see if that comes into play. Coming up next, a Rhea Ripley versus Nikki Cross beat the clock challenge. Rhea Ripley has to defeat Nikki Cross within two minutes. And this match was made early in the night after Nikki Cross entered a conversation with Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley. Uh, Rhea Ripley, excuse me, Charlotte Flair saying that she could be Nikki Cross in two minutes and then Rhea Ripley saying that she can do the same and putting her money where her mouth is and do it and trying to do it here on Monday Night Raw. I, I always think sometimes these beat the clock challenges are a fun way to do squash matches because uh, at least they're telling you it's going to be a squash match before it actually is a squash match you know and, and sometimes they even tell you it, it it makes it makes sense and it adds a gimmick to the squash match that I'm able to swallow and it's, it's it means a little bit more than just destroying the guy just to destroy the guy. He's just the the competitor that is doing the squashing has a reason to squash the other person. There's a reason for it because their goal is to beat the clock, so it's a little bit easier to swallow. But uh, things don't really go as planned for Rhea Ripley as Cross does put up a good fight in this one. Cross hulks up in the middle of the match, and Cross ends up getting the win, even though by the time the time limit runs out, she's being pummeled in the corner by Rhea Ripley. Rhea Ripley ends up forgetting the time limit as a whole, giving Nikki Cross the complete victory there. And uh, remember when uh, Nikki Cross fought Bailey for the SmackDown Women's Championship? Uh, how times have changed for Nikki Cross. Remember when she was uh, over in NXT doing big things as well? and coming up to the main roster everyone thought that she was going to be great and I still think she there's some great talent there it's just it's just not hitting anymore as it, as it once did for her which is a, sh a shame an absolute shame ever since uh, Alexa Bliss uh, fell away from her as well onto her own thing Charlotte Flair enters as she has a, max, a match next and she laughs at Rhea Ripley for uh, losing here Charlotte Flair versus Asuka. This is a rematch from last week after that was a fluky finish with Rhea Ripley getting involved, uh, distracting Charlotte Flair, allowing Asuka, allowing Asuka to pick up the victory. Asuka is hot early on, almost locking in the Asuka lock. Flair working on the left knee of Asuka. Action falls outside with Flair being driven into the ring post. Asuka locks in the Asuka lock, uh, but... Of course, Charlotte is able to position herself to pin Asuka. We usually see this with the Carafuda Clutch, but now we see it with the Asuka lock for Flair to pick up the win with Asuka having her submission locked in, but her shoulders on the match. 
on the mat. Uh, fun match uh, once again, uh, but I liked last week's a little bit better. Uh, I, I still thought it was pretty solid, but last week's it was a little bit more for me, probably because we haven't saw them to go at it like that in quite some time. Apologize for my chair once again, a little squeaky. Shelton Benjamin versus Cedric Alexander. Alexander tr- fires up. Benjamin before the match and uh, not a smart thing to do if you're trying to uh, get off to a slow start because Shelton Benjamin was ready with a full head of steam uh, decent back and forth but no really big spots it was just a lot of wrestling which uh, which is good <laughs> a lot of people be, that's a lot of people be, yearn for and beg for for more wrestling in the WWE but there weren't really any big spots that, that all that wrestling was culminating up to Alexander connects with the neuralizer to pick up the win he was able to get into position for that uh, by thumbing uh, Benjamin the eye, Cedric Alexander obviously the heel in this situation, and Benjamin kind of is as well. He just, uh, I guess he's not a heel per se. He is, he is a heel per se, but uh, he he's just been put in a bad spot uh, going forward. So we see what happens with Benjamin as he's towards the back end of his career, and Cedric Alexander in the prime of his career. I believe they'll have one more match as they uh, currently are, are tied at one apiece. Riddle versus Xavier Woods. Uh, this match comes after Riddle pushed Xavier Woods down to the mat after their tag team match last week. Uh, great wrestling early on. The grappling turns into a strike fest. A uh, huge German suplex spot from Riddle using the ropes for assistance. Woods landing on the top of his head, which looked tough, but Woods able to fight through for the rest of the match. Riddle with an RKO out of nowhere, and Riddle picking up the win. Riddle posing like Randy Orton after the match. That is absolutely golden absolutely golden Monday Night Raw has not been good lately at all but one thing that's really carrying the show at the moment is Randy Orton and Riddle RK bro and bro this is some next level stuff I am really really appreciating everything WWE is doing Uh, the fact that they let uh, Riddle use that RKO move it's synonymous with Randy Orton. You rarely ever see cutters done in the WWE, but because of Randy Orton, and deservingly so, it's his move, and he's made it his move through years and years of a Hall of Fame career. And now you give it's not you didn't, it's not Riddle's move, but you allow him to do it, given the fact that they are a tag team at the moment. I thought that was great. I thought that was great. So. Uh, I give him a lot of credit. I think Riddle's doing a fantastic job. He looks great. His physique is awesome lately. I don't know if there's anything different. I don't know if it's the lighting or something that's changed. But Riddle looks like a superstar, and rightfully so. And I hope for his sake and for Randy Orton's sake that this rivalry with the New Day continues a little bit longer. Now, as WWE has to mash things up again, and as soon as I give them credit for allowing the New Day to fight over something that's not a championship, Kofi Kingston starts fighting for a championship. <laughs> so, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. It's going to make my, my mind spin a little bit. But either way, I give credit to Randy Orton and Matt Riddle for doing some fantastic work on a show that is in desperate need of some fantastic work. AJ Styles versus Jackson Riker in our next match. Probably one of the biggest matches of Riker's career as he's going up against AJ Styles, one of the greatest pro wrestlers of all time. Knee to the jaw of Styles by Elias, who is hiding ringside and knocks out AJ Styles. 
uh, Riker ends up picking up the quick win, and uh, I, I, I wrote that note, probably one of the biggest matches in Riker's career, but obviously a nothing match, given that Styles losing here because of uh, Elias's interference. Uh, Omos enters, uh, he did not come down with AJ Styles, Omos enters down the entrance ramp and chases down Elias, uh, with the, they bill, uh, Omos with super duper speed, and he did look pretty fast for a big guy, I will, I will say that, he did move very, very well, but I, I don't think he ran like a 4 five forty. but I think he probably ran like a five three, which is really good for, for a guy his size. Uh, either way, Elias is hit stick through the LED screen. If you play Madden, you know what a hit stick is when you just lay someone out and you're, and you're still standing there over them. Elias laid out onto that LED screen. Good spot there by Omas as they're building him up as the super duper giant, which uh, we haven't seen a giant built up as well as him in quite some time in the WWE. Sheamus versus Humberto Carrillo. Sheamus starts the match by beating up Carrillo. And uh, Creo able to spark up a bit and dives to the outside onto Sheamus. Uh, Sheamus is uh, able to pin Creo by using the tights. And uh, Sheamus attacks Creo after the match as well. Ricochet enters to save. And they even do a nice uh, spot fest where Humberto Creo and Ricochet try to figure out who can do the better uh, aerial assault onto Sheamus. And I think Ricochet wins that battle there. But a decent match and... Nothing really to write home about either, though, as well. Uh, but good to see Ricochet continuing to be involved. Good to see uh, Humberto Carrillo continuing to be involved. As we all know, we can see them be buried to the bottom of the card as fast as humanly possible. But as it currently stands right now, they're not buried there at the moment, which is a good thing. Which is a good thing. They're in a mid-card title picture, which they both can deservedly be in for their sake. Moving on to our main event, and I'm a little surprised that they put this as the main event, but uh, probably a smart thing to do, given the fact that they haven't shown them much love uh, in the main event picture. But it's Natalia and Tamina versus Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler for the WWE Women's Tag Team Championships. Natalia and Tamina coming into this one as the champions. Uh, Baszler and Jax in control early on. Reginald shows up, as he was told earlier by Shayna Baszler, to not appear ringside. He does anyway. Tamina and Jax meet in the middle of the ring and clunk it around, as it was not a good showing from either of them. Uh, Nia Jax sends Tamina over the barricade. Reginald causes the ref to miss Baszler's pin, and Natalia rolls up Baszler to retain. As Reginald was walking away in this match, a fireball shot up uh, at the sides of the entrance ramps as Shayna Baszler was telling him to walk away. This is assumingly coming from Alexa Bliss, and we're assumingly going to see an Alexa Bliss-Shayna Baszler feud coming up uh, in the near future, which Shayna Baszler's probably going to lose, which gives me sort of the heebie-jeebies thinking... Why is Shayna Baszler getting so pushed down to the bottom of the card for no reason? And yes, they're putting her with a feud with Alexa Bliss, meaning that they have some faith in her to build up with Alexa Bliss as well. But it, it, it's, it's, it hurts me in a way, knowing that she's not really going to get much out of this when we all know pretty well that she could be the Raw Women's Champion, Shayna Baszler. She has the talent to do so, and she uh, proved it in NXT, and the fact that Rhea Ripley got that service and not Shayna Baszler so early on is, uh, you know, Shayna Baszler in her first week, she bought, she bit the back of uh, Becky Lynch's neck, 
You know, that that was Shayna Baszler's first week in the WWE, first or second week. First week in the WWE for, for Rhea Ripley, well, she she main evented, not main evented, but she, she was a part of WrestleMania 36 with Charlotte Flair, was chosen by Charlotte Flair to have that match at, at Mania, and then Rhea Ripley has a match of her own at WrestleMania as well uh, this year for WrestleMania 37 and wins the Raw Women's Championship. Come on! <laughs> There's a big difference there, and I hold them sort of at equal value, Shayna Baszler and Rhea Ripley. Just Rhea Ripley has gotten the push. Shayna Baszler has not. Grading this show of WWE Monday Night Raw going with a C-. minus. Nothing really super dude to write home about. Maybe I'll bump it up to a C, given all the stuff that they did with... Uh, RK Bro, but Randy Orton wasn't even a P, didn't even appear. So C minus. Even though I that, that that's probably the one good thing that happened on the show. Everything else was sort of eh, you know everything was was sort of kind of there, sort of kind of there. Speaking of uh, sort of kind of there, Adnan Verk, he was sort of kind of there for a little bit with the WWE for the past two months. And when we come back from break, I'm going to create the perfect play-by-play broadcaster for the WWE. Something you're not going to want to miss. So stick with us right here on the Daily DDT Podcast. On this day in pro wrestling history, on May 25th, 1994, at a WWF taping in Erie, Pennsylvania, a 16-year-old Jeff Hardy made his WWF debut in a losing effort to the 1-2-3 kid. That 16-year-old would become one of the most beloved superstars of all time, becoming a multi-time world champion across WWE and TNA, and also an internet star amongst many as... Uh, you go over TikTok and go over Twitter and Instagram and all you see all the time is people trying to impersonate Jeff Hardy's entrance that they remember from a kid that I remember as a kid. And, uh, you know, the, my, my favorite thing to do as a kid was the Triple H water spit. Now you can't even you can't do that today because of COVID. But that Triple H water spit, that was a classic, absolute classic. As we talked about earlier in the show, Adnan Verk now stepping away from the broadcast table for the WWE. A vacancy now opens. Instead of filling the void with someone we know, why not have some fun and Mr. Potato Head a new voice for the WWE? I'm going to go through five different attributes for uh, this play-by-play broadcaster to hold. Those five are voice, insight, delivery, energy, and professionalism. These five attributes build up into one mold of a person. And let's see what we come up with. Let's see if we can get something fun. So let's start off strong here. Let's start off with voice. With voice, I'm going to go with Tom Phillips. Phillips has the perfect voice for the WWE. Why? Because it's generic, and it plays the perfect middleman to his color commentators. Phillips is also the the definition of generic, as I mentioned, but that's something you want to be as the play-by-play broadcaster, and in my opinion, is a perfect mold to fit in, uh, given the outlandish characters in the world of pro wrestling. You don't want to be outlandish as well, along with those outlandish characters uh, with the WWE, it, it doesn't mesh well. You want to be that middleman to help boost uh, what those characters really are. If you want a strong, powerful voice, you can go with Vince McMahon. I think he, he sets the precedent as well because he wasn't generic because of his voice being so, so strong on that commentary booth, especially back around the days of Hulk Hogan and things like that. And, you know, some of the most iconic moments come from his voice. But... 
Tom Phillips, I feel like, has such a generic voice and such a normal voice. And I know for a fact he's able to do that job. At least he's able to speak, you know, in a, in a calm and sensical way. Uh, I, I hope for his sake that he finds his way back to the raw commentary booth as he was undeservedly kicked kicked out for Adam Verk. But uh, if we're molding together here still, uh, if we're going for the voice of it all, Tom Phillips, I think, holds it there. Insight. Insight, another important thing to have as a play-by-play broadcaster. And I'm going to give it to Matt Stryker here. Matt Stryker isn't the best play-by-play talent in the business right now, but he does do one thing better than anybody else in that role. His insight gives listeners, even jaded listeners, listeners that know the the ins and outs of pro wrestling, and if you're an impact watcher, you definitely know the ins and outs of pro wrestling because you know way that you're finding impact on your own. So... What he does for the listener is sometimes a little bit more than just calling the matches. He makes you feel what's going on inside of those matches as well that I think are rarely ever pointed out in other brands. A striker at the height of the pandemic, he related how it is to wrestle in a mask compared to us having to wear a mask all the time every day. I remember uh, he was talking about uh, manic or, um, or suicide or something like that and how like we all know how it is to go into a grocery store and as soon as we walk outside you you rip off your your mask and and you know to finally get a, a breath of fresh air imagine now wrestling in that mask that we so desperately want to take off and that's what Matt Stryker was saying imagine wrestling in that mask and, and I was like yeah like, I, I kind of feel that <laughs> Matt Stryker I thought I did a good job there also Stryker uh, anytime there's a submission hold applied especially on a tendon or something like that he says uh, oh feel your Achilles tendon Tendon. make us uh and he makes us want to move that tendon around and f- put some pressure there not too much or hurt yourself but he says oh like feel your Achilles tendon and, and imagine that being pressed on and wrenched on in the middle of the ring with nothing you can do only able to roll around those little things go a long 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 way you know and Matt Stryker never said he's perfect you know he has some terrible one-liners and some weird one-liners as well remember when champions will be champions he, he used to say that I think he said that back in WWE I think it was championships are for champions. I think that's what it was. And uh, it's hilarious, hilarious. But Matt Stryker, when it comes down to insight, I think he holds a very, very nice spot there. Okay, delivery. So now, uh, not what you're saying, but how you're saying it is delivery. How you are sending that message out to other people. The only person I can really put head head over heels above anybody else is Jim Ross. Ross is a unique character. If you read his books, he'll even say himself that his southern drawl is the prototypical voice that you wouldn't hear on on television, and definitely for professional wrestling, WWE television, is the voice that you wouldn't hear compared to the voices of, of the past. But no, Jim Ross was able to find his way into that play-by-play role and held it for a very long time. And what made him last for such a long time and what made him so special is his delivery in those big moments. No one could match his emphatic delivery in some of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. Mankind being tossed off the, the, the cell uh, against The Undertaker. Stone Cold turning heel at WrestleMania. Jeff Hardy versus The Undertaker in that ladder match back in 2002. I have goosebumps just thinking about it, about how Jim Ross has, was able to punch his moment as well, along with the moments of others in professional wrestling anytime those big moments happened. He was able to boost it up to a whole nother level. And if it wasn't for Jim Ross, some of those moments I just mentioned, much like the Jeff Hardy Undertaker moment, wouldn't be anywhere near as big if it wasn't for Jim Ross on the call delivering those big moments. 
delivering those top of the notch one-liners, top of the notch, uh, top of the line, uh, big spots that he was able to produce along with uh, the wrestlers involved. So uh, Jim Ross, even though now today he might not have his fastball with him as much as he used to anymore, and that's why uh, a lot of people argue if he should still be commentating on AEW, Jim Ross saying that he's going to take it one year at a time going forward when it comes to contracts and Tony Khan, and Jim Ross still contemplating, you know, he's getting old, and there's no denying that, and retirement might be coming soon for Jim Ross, which is which is sad. But at the same time, uh, Jim Ross has, has put his mark on professional wrestling more than I think anybody else in the, in the world of uh, play-by-play broadcasting. When it comes down to energy, which is our next uh, attribute that needs to be filled, Marvinalo is energy. He, if, if you could write energy in a dictionary for pro wrestling, Marvinalo's face is there next to that. Marinalo had unmatched energy with the WWE. I might argue a little bit too much energy. To a point where his microphone is peaking, where he's screaming on on the call. Uh, there's a lot of other things Ronaldo did well, but he's forever going to be known for his Mama Mia's echoing through our homes. All the energy that he's had. We've seen him call a couple uh, boxing matches uh, as of late. He even was on the call in Impact's uh, not most recent pay-per-view. Well, I, technically it is their most recent pay-per-view, if you go by that. Uh, with uh, Rich Swan and Kenny Omega going one-on-one. Uh, we saw him there. It, it, he does great. He does great when it comes down to energy. It might be a little bit too much energy, but if you're talking about that, he, he definitely holds holds that above anybody else. Now, professionalism. And I don't want to be crucified here for saying this, but I think it's undeniable that Michael Cole is the definition of professionalism. No one is more professional than Michael Cole in recent times. If we ignore the storylines from the past and focus purely on his play-by-play, he tops the list. From his uh, hand backstage to how he presents pro wrestling each week, at least WWE each week, along with his voiceovers on NFL on Fox and other commercials that we see him do, he's been the dependable guy to count on year in and year out for the WWE. There's a reason why Michael Cole and Pat McAfee work so well, and that's that yin and yang effect. Uh, Michael Cole is the professionalism aspect of it pat mcafee is not and those two together is a match made in heaven a absolute beautiful match made in heaven you can tell michael cole has a side of him that he he wants to come out in that way as well and you can tell pat mcafee obviously it has been a larger than light figure on smackdown and everything that he does when it, when it comes to broadcasting but there are some professionalism parts about him as well so when you match these two together Michael Cole and Pat McAfee, there's no one better. No better pairing. And I really think that that goes to show what Michael Cole's professionalism really is with the WWE. So if we go through the attributes one more time, uh, the voice of Tom Phillips, the insight of Matt Stryker, the delivery of Jim Ross, the energy of Mauro Ronaldo, the professionalism of Michael Cole. And if I'm being honest with you, if you put all of these together, you get Ian Riccoboni on Ring of Honor, and he should get a job with the WWE <laughs> sometime soon. If he's the next voice of Monday Night Raw, you heard it here first. And uh, I want credit. I want credit. <laughs> all right. Looking on to our next episode of the Daily DDT Podcast. We're going to be talking about NXT coming up tonight. Uh, Wednesday night, uh, excuse me, Tuesday night NXT. i got to remember that uh, as things change in the world of professional wrestling. 
Uh, Tuesday Night NXT, Karrion Cross versus Finn Balor for the NXT Championship. Should be a fantastic match. Shotzi Blackheart and Ember Moon versus Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai. A million-dollar face-off with Camion Grimes and Ted DiBiase. Frankie Monet makes her NXT debut. And Bobby Fish makes his in-ring return as well off of injury versus Pete Dunne. Should be a fun episode of NXT. Uh, obviously, always being compared to AEW in every way, shape, and form. AEW's go-home show coming up as well on their way to double or nothing. That's all from me. Remember to get 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at Manscaped.com. That is FANSIDED20, all caps, at Manscaped.com. I'm like a confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. You can catch this podcast and all your favorite providers. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts so you never miss an episode. And remember, you can ask your smart device to play the Daily DDT Podcast. If you like content like this, check out our writers at DailyDDT.com. And if you want to hear more from me, give me a follow on Twitter and Instagram at JadenBeckerTV. I'll see you tomorrow with another episode of the Daily DDT Podcast.